Good morning, everyone. It's a beautiful morning. Let's join together in worship and use the words of the preparatory prayer to put our minds and hearts. Almighty God, you pour out the spirit of grace and supplication on all who desire it. Deliver us from cold hearts and wandering thoughts that with steady minds and burning zeal, we may worship you in spirit and in truth. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Glory. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. The peace of Christ be with you, and also with you. Let's stand and share a sign of peace with each other. God, our Creator and the Lord Jesus Christ, beloved of God, live as children of the light. Clothe ourselves in faith and love, the hope of salvation. Christ died for us, so that whether we are awake, or asleep, we may live with Christ. Give thanks for Christ's saving work. Come, let us worship the Lord. Wondering how we should approach God, the prophet instructed, do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. In our knowing this and not being able to do it consistently, we come to pray. Blessed are the poor in spirit, Jesus said, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers, the pure in heart, and those who are persecuted for Christ's sake. We hope half-heartedly for your kingdom to come. Unite us with the saints who look to you and are radiant with your blessing. is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. God does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Therefore, in Christ, we stand forgiven. Thanks be to God. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And so...
As we come to the reading of God's word, let us pray. Lift up your hearts. Let us lift them to the Lord our God. As good stewards of your kingdom, help us to hear your will and follow so that we, may, we might be blessed and know the joy of your salvation. Amen. The first lesson comes from Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. The covenant renewal of Israel upon entering the promised land. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your ancestors, Terah and his son Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates and served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river, and led him through all the land of Canaan, and made his offsprings many. Now therefore, revere the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river, and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. Now if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose lands you are living. But... As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord, our God, who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight. He protected us along all the way that we went, and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land, Therefore we will also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive you your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. He said, Then put away the foreign gods that are among you, and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. The people said to Joshua, The Lord our God, we will serve you, and him we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, and made statutes and ordinances for them at Shem. This is the word of the Lord. Let us read Psalm 78 responsively. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their children. We will tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a decree in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and rise up and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson comes to us 
from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. And it is the parable of the talents. Hear now the word of God. For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of these slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave. You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And on my return, I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents. But to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave... Throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. It's Stewardship Sunday, and I would imagine in everyone's mind, in hearing the previous parable, you've already figured out what the preacher is going to say. Spiros Zodiates, a renowned New Testament scholar, said that the Bible is the most economic book in all of world religion. And that's probably because God knows what he created, and he knows what happened after the fall, and he knows, beyond a shadow of a doubt, 
that our pocketbooks and our wallets are an expression of who we are. And how we use our money tells us something about who we are. But I'm not interested in your money today. You can keep it. I'm not going to take your wallets or your purses from you. Because I don't think this parable has anything to do with money. You see, this parable comes in the latter part of Jesus' ministry. And it is a, a story about judgment. It's a nasty story, really. I mean, the one who got one talent and didn't invest it gets a very harsh treatment. He gets thrown into the outer darkness. I mean, that's pretty nasty. So what is this all about? Jesus is directing these comments to a predominantly Jewish community. There aren't Gentiles yet in the crowds that are listening. And this parable is all about Israel. It is not about us. This parable is a parable about the story of Israel. And it basically says to these Jewish people, God gave you talents to invest. And some of you did. There were people like David and Solomon who extended the kingdom to almost all of the Mediterranean and known world. There were prophets and judges who extended the influence of Israel beyond its regular borders. But there are also some like you, Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes, who got a talent, dug a hole, and buried it. Why would you do that? Well, I think it's very clear. You would bury your talent because you're afraid of God. Fear of God is fear of what God could do to you. As we read the Old Testament passage, Joshua warned them, God will not take lightly your worshiping other gods once you make your commitment to him. So make sure you mean business, because if you don't, God will definitely get you. Joshua is very clear, very honest, very transparent. And of course, their response is, absolutely, we will serve the Lord. And yet, what does the history of Israel demonstrate? It's a cycle of obedience and disobedience over and over and over again. The fear of God is that God will, in fact, take judgment. And that judgment, in many ways, has already come. In the parable, the master goes away for a long time. And that impressed me this week, thinking in terms of our own investment in the kingdom. Thinking to myself, well, I'm getting a little tired of investing all this energy in ministry and not seeing the numbers grow on Sunday morning. What does that all mean? Does it mean I need to be more patient, perhaps? That it takes more time? And then, all of a sudden, it dawned on me that this parable has already happened 
there has already been a judgment of the person with one talent. With the coming of Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection and his ascension came judgment on Israel. The destruction of the temple in 70 AD was the end of the religious world of the Jewish people as they knew it. It was gone. The house of Yahweh was gone. Things would never be the same. These words of Jesus are not necessarily a moralistic teaching for us. They are a story about what happened from our perspective. And therefore, what does it teach us? That we ought to invest. God gave to Israel tremendous gifts, an understanding of the world and a way of seeing the world that no one before had ever had. Israel had an understanding of relationship to God and responsibility and stewardship before God that no other world religion had ever presented before. This God was a God of mercy, slow to anger, full of loving kindness, always looking for our good. This God was not a God who needed to be appeased. This God was not a God to be in fear of. The same is true for us. We have, in a way, been given even more greater investment possibilities because the God that we serve is a God of grace, a God who offers us eternal life for nothing because the debt has been paid. When Christ died, the work of redemption was done. There's nothing you can add to what has been done to make it any better for yourself. It is a gift to receive. So, will you invest? As a steward given these riches of mercy and kindness and justice and peace, will you invest? Will you commit your life, your heart, your life's purpose, your career, your fortune, your future, into the hands of a God who loves you, of a Savior who has given his own life to guarantee yours. Will you invest your heart? Because you see, the judgment in this parable is all about investment. And if you won't invest the money yourself, if you won't use the money in such a way that you directly get gain back, as in the case of the five and the two talents, you should at least take the one talent and give it to somebody else to invest, the bankers. If you yourself cannot be involved in ministry, then at least provide the means for others to invest and be in ministry so that the kingdom always is multiplied and increased. These principles that Jesus expected the Jews to hear and to understand are principles that apply to us as well. 
because we have been given so great a gift. There's a true story of a congregation that in Stewardship Sunday gave everyone in the congregation a $100 bill, every person in attendance, and told them that one year from that date, they could bring back the $100 and demonstrate how they had invested it for the kingdom. I wonder what you would do with your $100. How would you take $100 and multiply it 100 times, 100%? How would you invest a gift given to you with the purpose of serving God? You all, I'll bet, if I were a betting person, have had those moments when you wonder what you would do if you won the lottery. $350 million. What would you do with that kind of money? How would you help people? Where would you go? How would you invest it? What would happen to your life? You know, there are a lot of sad stories about people who inherit or gain great wealth and blow it all away. It is a point of commitment. It is a point of utter, complete commitment. Will I invest who I am, the gifts and talents and abilities that God has given me, the physical resources, emotional, spiritual resources that God has given me for the well-being of others? As a congregation, I believe we have done that as faithfully as we know how. We are physical plant rich, people poor, and we have over the past three years made great strides in using our resources to develop the kingdom of God in our community. And our community understands and recognizes that. So I am not badgering, I am not judging I'm simply asking, can we continue to be faithful to that kind of commitment in the face of not instantaneous gain on our investment? Can we invest our lives not knowing before we leave this world that our life has been invested in good? It's sad what happened at Penn State. So terribly sad that after a tremendously and wonderfully blessed career, someone like Joe Paterno would be caught up in the mess that he has been caught up in. And it's a very clear, clear demonstration of what happens when you keep, you don't keep, your eye on the final reward. The master says to the stewards, come into the joy of your master. The faithful stewards are brought into the very presence of the king. 
there will be that moment for us. There will be that moment when our lives are laid bare. How will our life glorify God? How will it serve God's purposes? How will the kingdom be demonstrated by how I have lived? Today, I'm going to ask you to do a simple, very simple task. And I'm not trying to, in any way, um, hoodwink you into doing something you really don't want to do. So, of your own volition, when the offering plate comes by and has the red hearts in it, if you are willing to demonstrate or, or at least express publicly a desire to commit your life and all that you are and have to the purpose of Jesus Christ and Jesus' kingdom, write your name on the heart, and later on in the service, when we have opportunity, come forward and put your heart on the green paraments with a piece of masking tape that's on the communion table as a way of demonstrating publicly that you, like the steward of the five and the two talents, are willing to invest. Are willing to invest. Let's pray. In the hearing and doing of your word, Lord, there is great blessing and good. May we be people of your word, now and always. Amen.